0: Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. So Jacqueline M. Baker, welcome to the show today. So happy to have you on.
1: Thank you. Wonderful. And I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about leadership today, but we're going to talk about it from, I think, an angle that's a little bit different, which is kind of this, that we're all leaders. And I love that message that you have in your books and in your podcast and the stuff that you put on your website. But you are the founder, to kind of give our audience an introduction, you are the founder of Scarlet. Um, which is a consulting firm that consults businesses on leadership. You also have a podcast. You've written uh, two books, one that's just launching now, The Unexpected Leader, Discovering the Leader Within You, which is literally coming out as you're listening to this podcast. So uh, we're excited to talk about that as well. But tell us a little bit about you. And when we say leadership, we're not just talking in a corporate setting. We're talking about everybody's a leader in their own life, and and we're going to let the expert talk to us about that. Why on earth, Where? Where? how did you come to leadership or, the, or that space?
1: I appreciate that question because it's important that I set the foundation of why I'm in this space before we actually dive deep into it. To be completely honest with you, Matt, I actually have been in the entrepreneurship space for a long time. I started my first company in my early 20s, which is a wedding and event production business that led me to find my love for etiquette and protocol, which I know you didn't mention anything about that, but that is a part of my world. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I started actually I did
0: scarlet. read that I did read that about etiquette so I'm going to ask you questions about that and there's some one other nuance to that but I'll wait till you get to, I'll let you tell us your background okay.
1: there you go. absolutely i started scarlet our leadership consultancy 10 years ago with the intent to teach etiquette to teen girls matt that was completely
0: oh crazy. interesting so
1: that's why we started this work and literally about 6 months into the work corporations started to call like the detroit lions like ernst and young mm-hmm. like nike like department department of defense because they really wanted to get access to the training that I was providing to youth and also to professional teams as well.
0: And when I think about teen girls, I also think about the Detroit Lions. No, those two (laughs) things don't connect. I'm like, those don't connect at all. So how on earth do you connect training etiquette to teenagers to the Detroit Lions? How is that bridge bridge built? I don't get it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Don't do this to me. I live in a household with a super Detroit Lions fan. You are messing up my household right now, Matt. But mm-hmm. um, once um, corporations started to call, mm-hmm. I realized, oh, they there's an opportunity, number one, to serve more people. Of course, teaching etiquette to teen girls is really important. Yes. But I realized that, oh, there's this entire different world of other consumers who would be interested in this training as well. And so what I've learned over time, Matt, is that... People and organizations weren't necessarily asking for etiquette training. They were asking for leadership training. They were asking us to help them to develop their leaders. And etiquette is one of the ways that we do that. And so now 10 years into doing this work, we are a fully fledged and fully operating leadership consultancy that teaches Mm -hmm. to organizations and individuals and nonprofits all across the country and beyond. But truly and honestly, that is how I got into the space
0: that is amazing that's amazing and so help me understand because you know when i'm thinking etiquette what the pictures in my mind are like is the fork on the right or is the fork on the left or you know which glass is, you know which, which you know i'm thinking table settings but at which i you know very rarely if ever in my life have i for those of the people that know me and are listening have i ever been at a formal dinner where i actually had to figure that stuff out but i i've been to lots of dinners but not that formal how does etiquette dovetail with leadership, I guess. How did that, because again, I'm kind of thinking it's a weird stretch from the girls to the Detroit Lions. Now I'm thinking it's a etiquette. I've never heard professional etiquette, I guess, like that. Or And, and I've been in a lot of leadership training. I've, I've never heard the word etiquette in a leadership training. So what's that mean?
1: Absolutely. The problem or the challenge that the world of etiquette has is that most people don't think of it in capacities outside of forks, knives, tea parties, yeah. the queen, curtsying, mm. White House right. state dinners, No one thinks of it outside of that capacity, but the definition of etiquette is the accepted code of behavior for particular situations. That's it. It has nothing to do with fanciness or forks or knives, any of that. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that we just started talking about the lions a second ago, because it is the easiest way for me to bring to light how Mm -hmm. etiquette shows up in our lives. And I'll ask you, Matt, you clearly Mm -hmm. know a little bit about football. What's one (laughs) thing that man, one man does to another man on the football field. It's perfectly fine. No one question. It?
0: It's perfectly acceptable. What is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do this to my friends just to jack <laughs> with them, but especially if they're at the gym, right? I'll walk up and they're in, they're like on the treadmill, and I'll just smack them on the butt real hard and go, "Good game," right? <laughs> right? I'll go, and then they'll just look, they'll turn a little red, and then they'll laugh and look around and see if anybody's watching. <laughs>
1: right, and you probably don't do that too much walking down the street. You probably don't do no, that oh, right? No. people, right? That's the accepted code of behavior for that particular situation. And now more than ever, Considering where we're at in the world, considering the adjustments that we've made from virtual to in person, mm-hmm. we need some guidance on what the accepted codes of behaviors are in particular situations. So, etiquette mm-hmm. expands well outside the dining table. It expands to, okay, if I'm on a virtual call, is it cameras on? Is it cameras off? Mm-hmm. If I'm navigating mm-hmm. from a professional setting to an after work happy hour, is it sleeves off? Is it sleeves on for a woman? Just little things mm-hmm. that we just take for granted that we don't really Mm -hmm. think about like how, what's my code of behavior here. And so it's another opportunity for people to be confident in how they're walking and navigating through spaces, especially new spaces that maybe you've never been in before. And so I would think of it more like that versus I'm getting fancy and going to see the Mm -hmm. queen and I got to figure out what to to you. So So think of a little bit more like that,
0: Matt. You could almost say accepted social behavior for any given setting when we're navigating, and, and again, uh, this is all new to me. That's why I love having great guests on the show. It's because it's like, huh. And I, and, and I do it usually naturally, but I'm not doing it with forethought or like what is appropriate in this situation. So that yeah. it's, I guess, you're making good connections and you're relating to people. And as a leader, you want to make sure people feel comfortable around you and your presence, I would assume. Absolutely. right?
1: Absolutely. But I'll take it one step further because I know that you said social settings. It's not Mm -hmm. just social settings, right? It Mm -hmm. is also professional settings as well. Mm -hmm. And as a leader, as you're seeing yourself as a leader, as you are impacting and influencing other people, guess what's happening? They're watching. So if they're looking at Jacqueline as the leader and I am not. You know, doing whatever the accepted codes of behavior are in any particular situation. It's going to be a whole bunch of people that are following me that are going mm-hmm. to copy what I'm doing. And then it's going to compound and compound and compound. And so it's not just in social settings. It's also very much professional settings as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And I can think of sometimes in my own screwed up in that manner or said something that was inappropriate yeah. i won't say it was horrible and we didn't have to go to hr to have a discussion but <laughs> but it was what definitely are you like sure, are you sure? i know well <laughs> they, they didn't go to hr i'll put it that way because I would because i would have fired them but no the uh, no no the uh but but i did have to come back and apologize because i realized that as the leader i was um making light of something that and you know that Probably I shouldn't have made light. It was weird because as I thought about it overnight, and then I came back to the team the next day, I just walked into the, the the next meeting and I said, "Hey, I need to apologize to somebody specifically because this is a comment I made, and that was not appropriate for the work environment. And so I didn't want other people to think that that was appropriate because I did realize. Well, one, I just needed to to apologize, and then two, to your point, you know. I think anybody in a meeting that's speaking or doing anything at that point is leading that meeting because they're they're talking right i mean everybody's listening so Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to make sure that that we weren't going to foster an environment where joking about stuff was appropriate when it wasn't appropriate, if that Absolutely. makes sense.
1: Exactly. Completely. So yeah, it except and that was the accepted code of behavior for that particular situation, right? Right. And so I think um yeah, I, 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 I'm very appreciative that we went down this path of discussing etiquette mm-hmm. and the play into mm-hmm. it because I I know that etiquette definitely is an abrasive word for many people where they're just like, oh mm-hmm. no, it's stifling. It's a, it's, mm-hmm. It a, it, mm-hmm. it, There isn't a, It isn't about being inclusive with certain people. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not what it's about at all. It actually provides a little bit more guidance and an opportunity to feel like you're confidently operating the way that you should be, like what you know to be yeah, best well, in the surface.
0: Why is etiquette important in a professional situation? Just so we can get clear on that.
1: Yeah, it is because we do need some level of guiding principles, right? The reality mm-hmm. is it's about... billion people on the world and on earth and growing. Mm. And if it were just you or just me or a whole bunch of people that operated just like me or just Mm. like you, I'm not so sure if etiquette would be as important as it is, right? Because we right. don't need to corral around one thing and one way that mm-hmm. we're operating or the best possible operating mode, I'll say in mm-hmm. a certain situation. And so it's important because we have to navigate and we have to do it with other people in mind. And so the best way to mm-hmm. do that is to have at least some form of codes of behavior that we're all adhering to, or that we're abiding by mm-hmm. to navigate in and out of work.
0: And so what's your feelings about the current kind of social shift into Mm -hmm. kind of the he, she, her, you know, her, what is it? She, her, I mean, how how are you? Yeah. Right. Pronouns. How are you helping companies and individuals navigate that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I will say when I am not an expert in something, and I can't say Mm -hmm. that, that I am an expert Mm -hmm. in, um, the space of, um, of all things DEI, right? I, right I'm just not, right. and I will say that every day I am learning along the way mm-hmm. as well. It's yeah. interesting, I was listening to one of your previous episodes with Tara, mm-hmm. who was the author of yeah. The Waymaker, yeah. And I know that that is uh, you know, a, a lot of the work that she does. What I'll say is a couple things. When you're navigating in and out of spaces where you're trying to be as respectful as possible and call people what they wish to be called and make sure that you're being inclusive, is to first give yourself permission to uh, know that you're not gonna know everything. You might mess up, um, Mm -hmm. but to go into it with a spirit of learning and a spirit of Mm -hmm. understanding, um, I think that that is the baseline of, okay. I'm not going to get this right. This is something a little bit new um, and let me lean into it. But I think um, I think that. The world of pronouns is, I wouldn't say it's necessarily changing quickly, but it is something that is a lot more um, actively discussed versus what Mm -hmm. it was a few years ago. And to make yourself available to learn is what the advice that I'll give people that are trying to figure out, like, how do I navigate this space? But I can't say that I'm an expert in that world.
0: Right. And I appreciate that. And, and as you were saying that about kind of being in a, a, a learner mindset, I remember when, uh, George, you know, the unfortunate death of George Floyd a couple of years ago and pre COVID gosh, a couple of years ago, that's probably been three or four. Yeah. Um, and I saw so much, uh, diversity and everything on, you know, people posting all stuff on social media and Facebook and all this. And, and I just got angry and I said, you know what? I'm tired of watching, I'd want to get with a group of people and just sit down and have a discussion about, about this topic. And so I got 20, I just put it out on Facebook and I think we had 20 or 25 people and, you know, we just sat down and and we broke into small groups. I said, I just would like to have discussions because, and I just went in total learner mode. In fact, I said, I'm going to be the most ignorant person in the room right off the bat. I said, I am terrified. I do not know what to call somebody of African-American descent. I said, is it, african-american is it black is it i said i don't know and of course i had diversity in the room and this i remember this this big buff bodyguard guy a school bodyguard he was he's really if i don't know what to do then engage with people that are in that space so that i have a deeper understanding and compassion and knowledge and empathy for whatever they're going through right
1: yeah i'll say too matt a couple other Mm -hmm. just key important things while we're in this realm is I appreciate that when we first jumped on in our pre conversation, you were very mm. adamant about finding out how I want it to be addressed. Are you Jacqueline? Mm-hmm. Are you Jacqueline? Are you Jackie? Yeah, right. I said, you can call me all those things except Jackie. Like, I don't know right, Jackie. Of right. And so I am very much of the perspective, and I am hugely in support of people being called what they want to be called right some people who i know whose names are jack jacqueline choose to be called jackie yes the woman who actually did the forward for my book jacqueline m welch from the new york times she prefers to be called jackie but our names are spelled exactly the same and so i'll say that's that's a major thing is call people what they want to be called despite what you think they should. Be
0: they called. want to, Right. Oh, have,
1: yeah. oh, I want to call you this. I have a nickname for you. Yeah, but that's not my name. And so mm-hmm. I do think that um, when we take ourselves out of it and realize that there are other people who want to be called a certain thing, that also helps you to become um, a bit more comfortable with the idea of maybe calling somebody something that you don't think that they are. You don't think that they should be mm-hmm. called. Uh, so call people what what they want to be called. But I I really appreciate your willingness to humble yourself. Right. In a spirit mm-hmm. of learning. Um, because truly, at the end of the day, that's what leaders do. Like mm-hmm. leaders can do hard things. We can right. do hard things. And sometimes hard mm-hmm. things is having a conversation about something that you're not comfortable with. You're getting a little sweaty about it. Some anxiety is, is, is mm-hmm. piping up. Leaders can have hard conversations. And so I think it's time for us to accept, number one, that we're leaders and two, we can have hard conversations.
0: Yeah I appreciate I really do appreciate that and that kind of dovetails right into the title of your book the unexpected mm-hmm. leader discovering the leader within you and I and I I'm really curious about that title because it you know it could have stopped at the unexpected leader and, and then that's kind of vague. But when it says discovering the leader within you, it's kind of like, oh, that's interesting. So mm-hmm. I'm discovering the leader within me means that there's something there. I mean, it, I guess in my mind, it presupposes that there's something inside of me that's still yet to be discovered. It's like, oh, cool, a new territory or some new gifts or some new talents. So mm-hmm. kind of lead us through a little bit of that, you know, what's in the book and and this discovering this leader within you. What's that actually mean?
1: Absolutely. As you start to think back throughout your life, Matt, or any of Mm -hmm. listeners today think back throughout their life, we all have had little forks, little accomplishments, big accomplishments Mm -hmm. along the way that we tend to either brush by, we tend to totally forget about, um, we tend to not put a bright light on we've all or many of us have signed off on our first apartment signed off on our first mortgage mm-hmm. we have dealt with difficult bosses we've created other little humans we've raised human <laughs> yeah. parents, or we've supported right. aging parents uh, right. we take we organize the boys trip every year the girls trip every year mm-hmm. and once we granularly break apart those tasks that we've been doing they are all riddled with leadership qualities and leadership mm-hmm. abilities but we just brush past them or we live our regular lives and then when we show up to work one day We leave those leadership skills on the other side. Oh, me delegating things out for my family reunion? No big deal. It is a big deal, right? Right. And why aren't you taking those leadership and those delegation skills on the inside of the workplace? And so discovering a leader within you is, as a tagline, is just such an opportunity to remind people that throughout their entire life, probably starting very young in their life, they have been exercising or engaging in activities that have helped to define the leader that's within them, but they have to remember that. You have to remember like, oh, I did this and I did that. And really that equates to this in the workplace that equates to having great communication skills in the Mm. workplace, but I just leave it at the front door. And so truly we could have stopped at the unexpected leader. I could have done that in collaboration with my publisher, which is Wiley publishing
0: organizations that I'm involved with. I gave an example on the podcast, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, but you know, we had a lady that came in and just fresh out of college came in and she was actually assigned, I had a, a, a gym and she was assigned to clean, kind of basically clean the equipment, make sure everybody was safe on the equipment. And with, within a month or two, she had just taken it upon herself to just step up and start taking care of other stuff. And nobody asked mm-hmm. her, it wasn't in her job description. And over the course of two months, she went from basically being almost like an intern type status to being on our executive leadership team because mm-hmm. she was so engaged in, and, and she didn't set out to be a leader. She just did it because it needed to be done, right? If she, yeah. if she saw something, it needed to be done. And she engaged in a, in a way that she led others because she also didn't step on toes. It wasn't about overachieving or a attra- it was literally, how can I contribute to the overall good of this organization? And it was just amazing to see. So when we're talking about discovering this inner leader within you, we all, if, if we're alive and breathing, we have had to lead. We do lead every day, whether we recognize it as a quote unquote leader. Cause I think sometimes the leader tag gets pushed more into the business realm. Sure. And, and it's like, no, we all lead all day, day, you know, even if it's ourselves, we are in charge of leading us, which means we're also influencing leading others. Right.
1: Absolutely. And, and honestly, that is one of the key pillars of the book. Mm -hmm. When I talk about leadership levels, I put forth the opportunity for people to see themselves immediately. Not like, oh, when I do this, when I cross this threshold, once I make this amount of money, when I buy these types of clothes, no our leadership model really has four levels. The core, the foundation Mm -hmm. of it all is the most important one. It's self-leadership. You are Mm -hmm. responsible for leading yourself. You're responsible for getting yourself up every day and doing whatever it is that you're supposed to do. There's self-leadership. There's leadership of others. There's leadership leadership of organizations. There's leadership of communities and movements, right? So there are opportunities at lots of levels throughout your life for you to see yourself as a leader. But that self-leadership, that foundational component Mm -hmm. is so important. The other thing I'll say too, Matt, is... It is a lot easier, and I'm sure you probably recognize this since you've been in a space of influencing people for some time now. It's a lot easier to lead other people, to lead organizations, to lead communities, to lead movements once you've already began to see yourself as a leader, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, there is an expectation of me as a leader, a way that I should be coming across, a way I should be influencing other people. And I know that from the self-leadership standpoint. But what often happens, and I know this has happened to me, and it may have happened to you as well, that maybe you're doing a good job at your workplace, right? And someone sees you're doing, sees you doing a good job. and are like, oh, you're fantastic. Come on over here and lead these people, right? Do these things. Right. And you're like, wait, right. I, I guess, right? Number one, I don't really mm-hmm. know how to do that because I've never <laughs> right. really seen myself as a leader before. And then right. you, you've, in your mind, think, oh, let me take a, take a step back and work on myself. Right. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now I'm leading other people and I'm going to need to be seen a certain way. But if you would have seen yourself as a leader throughout this entire time in the first place, once it's now time for the other people, I wouldn't say that you're done working on yourself because you never really are. But you're a lot right. further along if you've already seen yourself as a leader. And so doing that as early as possible. I mean, a lot of the mm-hmm. young people that I teach as early as 12 or below, mm-hmm. I'm implanting this concept that you're a leader.
0: That's the first pillar. And then you, there, I'm assuming that, are there three okay, others? Self-leaders-
1: self-leadership. So, absolutely. So, self-leadership, um, the leadership of, um, others, the leadership mm-hmm. of, um, organizations and the leadership mm-hmm. of community slash movements. And so there are four oh,
0: pillars. Nice. Oh, yeah. very nice. Very nice. Um, and then where do you, so once we've identified that we're a leader, which again, we all are, no matter where we are, what we're doing the, at the base pillar, to your point, we're leading ourselves. Right. And mm-hmm. and I think that sometimes that's the hardest, uh, yes, some it days, is. <laughs> right? Because it's like, well, I know that you're a slacker in this area. <laughs> How do I lead myself there? Um, and I would, uh, I, I need to get a coach. I know that I need to get a coach. So I'm going to throw that out there. I believe in coaching. I've done, had people coach me throughout the years, either, you know, like, uh, literally like, um, strength training coaches or also then, um you know like business coaches and stuff like that right now I don't have a coach so if you're listening to the podcast I need a coach right now uh, FYI yes, all- I know I know I'm gonna get blasted <laughs> but, but but I will also say I'm a hard- when we're when we're leading ourselves what are and, and just leadership in general since you work with so many organizations large organizations small organizations um the teen girls that are the football team for the what. Are the biggest mis- double, I, I like it. I like it though. Um, what are the biggest, what do you, what do you find are the biggest mistakes that people make along that path?
1: Okay. Several things. One of the first things that I actually experienced myself, I can remember when I started at uh, a role at AARP, which we can totally dive into if you want to. I remember being brought on board to lead one of the organization's largest conferences that they had every year, so I was doing some event management consulting uh-huh. work yeah, several yeah. years ago, and I was brought on board to lead a group of uh, a sub team to help them execute and produce this event. Mm-hmm. And every week when we met, it was an extensive team uh, from different different people from different parts of the organization. I recall coming to the into the meeting trying to squeeze my chair in on the side, right? So there are important mm-hmm. people. And I'm doing air quotes here in this meeting. I you know, mm-hmm. was just trying to fit in on the side. And I was leading the meeting. I was sending out the agendas. I was the whole run of show person. I was handling it all. Mm-hmm. I kept trying to squeeze in on the side. So finally one guy, uh, the senior leader said to me one day, he said, why don't you just, just, why do you keep doing this? Like, why don't you just sit at the head of the table where you're the leader here. Like we all know you're the leader. You know, you're the leader here. Like stop trying to like wedge your way in on the side. And that's the mentality that I had. And physically, that's what I was doing is I wasn't taking my place as a leader. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, I just want to fit in. Like, I, I don't want to be seen any differently when, in fact, everybody else is like, we know what's up. Like, you're, you're here to tell <laughs> us what to do. You're here to direct us. And so one right. of the biggest mistakes is that people don't see themselves as a leader through action Right. When, mm, mm. when someone says, hey, you're the, get up and give the presentation. This is we're looking for you to direct us to then do that. So when you mm-hmm. have the leadership role, when you have the helm, when you're the captain of the ship, be the captain of the ship. Like, don't try to pretend like right. you, aren't, you don't have the power or the influence that you have. So that's one big thing. Secondly, is the power of your voice. I mm. am a huge advocate of each of us using our privilege in using our voice. And what mm-hmm. I mean is there may be times when you're in the back of a meeting, uh, you're in an all staff meeting, you have a burning question and you're just like, mm, let me not say it because uh, it's, it's a silly question. Uh, I'm nervous about it. Oh, my manager's in the room and they're not going to like if I ask this question or whatever it is more often than not, that question that you're burning to ask. Several other people have that same question. you right. are just waiting on somebody to ask it. And so using your voice. Now, I know when I say using your voice, what I really want to say is public speaking. But I know that hmm. public speaking has scares this the speech. hell out of people. Exactly. <laughs> right. And I know right. this. I am right. uh, privileged in that in the fourth grade my favorite Mm -hmm. teacher, her name is Miss Leanna Jackson. She's still alive to this day. She forced me to be on stages. And so I understood early how to work the stage, you know, how to use diction, Mm -hmm. how to pronounce Mm -hmm. appropriately, how to project as a little woman. And, um, I think I have a little bit of a a leg up when speaking just because Mm -hmm. I've been doing it for so long, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. that public speaking piece, as you know, Matt will take Mm -hmm. you from You know, being good at your job to being someone who's hugely beneficial from a leadership space. And so give yourself permission to use your voice, not cower back. Those are two of the Mm -hmm. simplest, most important things that I can think of, because if you don't use your voice, sometimes people won't even know who you are. Right. So you just stay hidden. And then, if you don't take advantage of the light that's shined on you, sometimes that light will dim, right? Because people are like, "Oh, they mm-hmm. don't, they don't want to lead. They don't want the spotlight. They don't want to be the captain." And then you look up, and they're not asking you to do it again. And so, I think mm-hmm. by taking advantage of those two opportunities to lead, when you have the opportunity to visibly lead and use your voice, you can propel yourself well beyond where you might be right now.
0: Right, and I agree one hundred and ten percent. I mean, I've, I don't know why. I think I was, always, I think I was born just to entertain people. Sometimes, <laughs> even though I'm not an entertainer. <laughs> Um, but I was a talker, I think at birth, like, um, because my mom was,
1: hey, yeah, here.
0: exactly. Um, my, my, right, sort of, my mom tells a story of once when I was, uh, three years old. And of course, you know, this was in the seventies. So people were a little more free with where their kids, you know, with their kids and the space that the kids had to roam around in. But at three, she turned around and I wasn't in the house and that did freak her out. And she went out and I wasn't in the yard and I wasn't at the neighbor's yard. <laughs> and actually, and this was pseudo scary, I'd walked across the street, and I was inside the nursing home that was next door or across the street. And I was literally just going around talking to the residents. And, and, uh, and the funny thing is, the nurses and people over there weren't freaked out. Here's this little three year old boy wandering around. So I think I was born a talker. <laughs> but I, but I have become a lot more introverted during COVID. And I would, I guess I would, I would say, do you think it um, for an introvert or people that don't do a lot of public speaking, or speak when I say public speaking, speaking in meetings. It could be two or three people, right? Um, what's the best thing that they can do to kind of overcome the anxiety of that situation, or, or the you know the fear of oh my god, I've got to. Literally, it could be two or three people, right? It depends on how, right? So how do they, how do people get past that?
1: Mm, i love Mm. this question matt and the reason i love it is because it's a really real challenge that people have all the time with managing Mm -hmm. the anxiety around using your voice and to be very frank and honest with you i am someone who's been managing anxiety since 19 and -hmm. most people have a hard time wrapping their mind around that for someone like Mm -hmm. me who's very out front very visible Mm -hmm. who comes across very clean like i understand exactly what i'm about to say and i do I am still constantly battling anxiety. I was diagnosed with it at 19. I took medicine Mm -hmm. for a few years. And Mm -hmm. so for me, um, I've developed what I like to call a non-medicinal cocktail of how I manage my own anxiety. Mm -hmm. So first, let me just drop a couple nuggets of how I manage anxiety before I talk about Mm -hmm. the speaking part. Um, For those of you who haven't had the opportunity to see me speak or even look me up online, you, you may not have noticed that I speak. I'm very intentional with how I dress. Like even right now mm-hmm. as we're recording mm-hmm. with Matt, mm-hmm. I don't have yeah. sleeves and that is not right. by accident. It is very right. much intentional. <laughs> it is because when I have anxiety, I get nervous <laughs> and I sweat. And Oh, so,
0: interesting. I thought you were just very fashionable. I was like, actually, I thought that today. I was like, you talked about something earlier about sleeves on or off. I was like, you're very fashionable today. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So this is very much a thing that I use to manage the effects of Interesting. Anxiety. Yeah. Interesting. This is, this is so that you don't see the sweat. And huh. I also have one black so that if I did sweat, you wouldn't see it anyway. Right? <laughs> it's, all, it's all orchestrated, like for the benefit yeah, yeah. of me doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life, right? right. And uh-huh. so number one, I'm very mindful of how I dress. And I know that I can't mm-hmm. go sleeveless all the time. So if I had mm-hmm. to put on sleeves and I was speaking, I would wear a thick blazer. So you wouldn't even see the mm-hmm. sweat. So that's right, how I would right. do that. I watch my, I watch my caffeine intake because caffeine mm-hmm. exacerbates my anxiety Um, And whenever I can, I use a weighted blanket because a weighted blanket provides the same comfort that a hug will
0: for me. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so weighted blankets help to exacerbate my anxiety as well. But to answer your question directly, for those individuals who, you know, you want to speak up, you may be the junior person in the room or even the most senior person in the room. Mm -hmm. You're having those thoughts in the back of your mind. Okay, should I say something? Should not. You're almost zoning out from what the conversation is because you're having a mental conversation of should I say something and I will say this so many times the questions that we have are and the answers that are associated with those are hugely beneficial to the other people in the room and so I would look at it more as an opportunity take yourself out of it in that moment and just say you know what by me asking this question I could potentially be benefiting other people in the room who need an answer to this as well. The other mm-hmm. thing too is to think about intention and impact. Mm-hmm. Every time I say something, every single time that words come out of my mouth, I say to myself, the words that you're about to say, you're saying them intentionally. And more importantly, your words are important and they have impact. Mm-hmm. You have to convince yourself. Like mm-hmm. the words that I'm about to say, mm-hmm. they're important. They're not just me blabbering off. It's mm-hmm. not just me talking to talk. Mm-hmm. They're, they're important. And another reason why you saying to yourself or reminding yourself that your words have intention is because it will help you from not saying anything or from saying stuff when you don't need to say it. So, for example, right. Matt, one of my pet peeves is when someone says uh, to piggyback off of what they just said, right, or mm-hmm. to pile on to what they just said mm-hmm. when the person's not saying anything new. If it's the exact same thing, I'm like, you just prolong this meeting for another (laughs) 15 minutes to piggyback off of what somebody else just said, right? Right, And so for me, when I remind myself, Jacqueline, what you're about to say is intentional and has impact, then I'm like, but is what I'm about to say have intention and impact? And then if it (laughs) doesn't, why am I saying it? But if it does, right, then it's like, well, let me say that. And I give myself permission to say it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the last thing I want to say as a, a part of this question is the importance in the leadership space the importance in the speaking up space and the the opportunity that we all have to give ourselves permission, mm-hmm. right? A mm-hmm. lot of times why people don't see themselves as leaders is because they have not given themselves permission to say, I'm a leader. It's right. not you coming around and saying, hey, Matt, guess what? Now you're a leader. It's not your mom or your cousin coming around knighting you a leader. It's literally mm-hmm. you saying, hey, right. like, I'm a leader and I'm going to operate as such. So when you want to use your voice, when you feel like there's something that you want to say, remind yourself that I'm going to, in this moment, I can do this. Like, I don't have to ask for permission. I'm going to give myself permission to speak up in a meeting. Um, So all those things weigh into how I recommend someone manages the anxiety around saying something Mm -hmm. or not saying something. But more importantly, getting out of or into your own head deeper to give yourself permission to say something.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that because I think, to your point, almost everybody has. And, and and the weird thing is, you put me on a stage in front of a thousand people, and I will become like this whole. I, I have a ton of fun, right? That I'm like enjoy, but you you. Yeah but I walk into a room where I don't know very many people. I have huge social anxiety, right? I, I remember ha- walking into a room of people I didn't know. And it was a business setting. And I was actually, I think it was in New York and I was, I was supposed to be a, a keynote speaker or a speaker at this event. They were having as a credit union association. And, And I walked in the room and I didn't know anybody. And literally, it was one of the most pronounced times. I just broke out in sweat. I mean, I was just like profusely sweating. I had to leave the room and go to the bathroom, like take paper towels. And I was just like, I had not actually experienced that level of anxiety before, but it's because I knew literally no one and I didn't have any connection. So I think it happens to all of us at at some way, level or form. But, you know, to your point, every... If if you have something important and relevant to say, and even if you're questioning if it's important and relevant, then it is important and relevant. If you're questioning, is this important and relevant, then something about that is coming coming up to be said. Maybe it's not the exact thing you were going to say. And then I also know the mistakes I have made as a leader or in leadership. Like I was the the uh, president of our church for, uh, you know, for my rotation a couple of years or whatever that was. And, you know, I noticed that there was, I can be a fairly strong personality, meaning um, I like you know like to engage or talk with people. But but there was a couple of very strong voices. There was I think eight people on our board, and I noticed when I was the leader after a meeting or two, I noticed that some of the people on our church board weren't ever saying anything, and we were in Zoom because this was during COVID, and and I was like you know what I'm not being a very good leader because I am not making sure that everybody has the opportunity to use their voice. So I'd I'd like to kind of for for, for leaders out there, I think one of the biggest mistakes that leaders can make when they've been leaders for a while and they get too comfortable is that they forget that it's the most effective meetings are when everybody has the opportunity to share their wisdom versus two or three people sharing wisdom and then everybody else just going along. That's not really you're not really getting the value, right? You're not getting the true value of what that meeting could be. Right.
1: You're not. And I'll say this is an important mm-hmm. stop that we're making in this conversation. Mm-hmm. How essential it is for a leader to recognize when they will talk so that they will leave space for other people. So right. imagine that it's a brainstorming, a conversation, yeah. and the question is thrown out. What do we all think about this? And mm-hmm. when the senior most person in the room right speaks up first, right. quickly will provide a negative opportunity for other people to not speak up especially if what they're saying is counter to what the leader right. Is saying. right right exactly. and it could be yep. more impactful the other person could have the solution
0: mm-hmm. the, right the
1: answer but they will sometimes feel like oh well the leader spoke up and so this must be set in stone this is probably the direction we're going in and then they won't speak up and so to leave space for other people to, um, to comment and develop. The other thing I'll say to Matt, that I think that a lot of leaders, and when I say leaders, I typically mean leaders by seniority or leaders by seniority. I'll say in this particular instance mm-hmm. yeah. is when you are the, um, the senior most person in a situation and people are looking to you for guidance, for direction, for vision, et cetera. It is so essential, especially as we grow in our career that we embrace the importance of delegation and sharing the work right because a lot of mm-hmm. times when you grow in your career from a mm-hmm. from a leveling standpoint you get less and less time right less mm-hmm. and less words to say things when you commit to leading other people right in an effective and efficient way you empower them to, get the skills they need to grow, to help mm-hmm. scale whatever it is that you're growing, to help build you know, a bigger department, a bigger business, uh, a, a bigger startup, if that's what you're doing. And when you don't take your opportunities seriously as it relates to empowering other people to be leaders, guess what happens? You still end up with all the work. You end up with mm-hmm. way more meetings than you need because other people don't feel like, okay, I have the autonomy. I'm seen mm-hmm. as a leader. I can move forward and get stuff done. And so uh, I think that that is also in addition to what you were just saying about mm-hmm. um, leaders and their voices, one of the other big mistakes that sometimes a lot of um,
0: vision... Let them actually lead, don't micromanage or undermine, right? I've seen that happen in organizations too.
1: Absolutely. And I will say that experience of stepping aside, right? I won't Mm -hmm. even necessarily say stepping Mm -hmm. back, but stepping aside so Mm -hmm. they still Mm -hmm. see you, they know that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I still support you, but I'm just over here to the left. That happened to me in a forceful way last year, Mm -hmm. if I'm being honest. Last Mm -hmm. August, I contracted covid Mm-hmm. And it was at a, a very essential time within a team that I was leading at the time where we were producing some really heavy, important things. And I was right. at the helm of that. Right. And guess what I had to do? I had to step mm-hmm. aside because I was sick. But then a month right. later, my father passed away suddenly, oh, unexpectedly. Right. And so yeah. I had to manage grief. I right. was managing running a business. I was managing being a leader at a large organization at the time as well. But right. that was honestly one of, the biggest opportunities unknown opportunities I had in my life to truly challenge myself to completely step aside. Cause really I mm-hmm. was, it was a little bit about four sickness and grief was right. Totally of course. Yeah, yeah. But it happened at a time when I had already decided I was going to leave corporate cause I, I left corporate actually almost exactly six months ago, um, oh, early mm-hmm. this year. And It was a great opportunity, even though it was uh, sadness on the agenda, for me to allow my team to flourish. Hey, I have been coaching you all and guiding Mm -hmm. you all. We have two huge things that we're producing, and I am not there because I can't be there. And so honestly, looking back, that was a proof point to me that, okay, I'm planning on leaving this large organization. And I know that the team that I've been leading all this time, they're ready. Like they, they don't need mm-hmm. to rely on me to give them all the answers to everything. They're, they can operate fully, effectively, efficiently without Jacqueline being there. And so I think that that in many ways gave me permission to leave a role that I actually loved at the time. I, I served mm-hmm. as the vice president of startup programming at AARP mm-hmm. Innovation Lab. So I was responsible oh, for uh-huh. all startup discovery work all across the globe. Mm-hmm. Loved the work, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, Matt. But mm-hmm. sometimes, right, as a mm-hmm. leader, you have to give yourself permission to do the thing that you know you're supposed to be doing with your life, This right. is another facet of leadership. Um, but mm-hmm. that those unfortunate sets of events that happened last year really set the course and provided me with the confidence to let my team just go and fly.
0: Right. I really appreciate that. So I've got two more questions. Um, Why is this so important to you? Why is this leadership space? Why do you write, I mean, books are commitments, right? I've not written a book, but from the people I've talked to, they are like heavy duty. I've got a lady that's writing a book that a a friend of mine, and she was like, yeah, it's going to be launched in 2024. I'm like, holy cow. That's a right. I mean, so that's a commitment, right? Um, So why is this word leadership? Why is this work? Why is it so important to you?
1: I believe That most of us are just one decision away from doing the things we really want to do, starting the things we really want to start, tackling the skills that we really want to tackle. And we are devoid of giving ourselves permission and seeing ourselves in whatever it is that we want to do or be. I actually, ironically, own a couple of trademarks, Matt. I own Mm. two class trademarks of just start. And it Mm -hmm. is because I've committed my world and my life to helping people start the things that they truly want to do and elevate to their next level of leadership. And Mm -hmm. if I can provide another tool, another resource, another perspective, a way for people to look at themselves differently and a book, The Unexpected Leader, Discovering the Leader Within You is the way to do that, then so be it. And so for Mm -hmm. me, my biggest hope for this book is that people get their hands on it. My biggest hope is that they read it and they see themselves a little bit differently. They see that they are Mm -hmm. able to operate as a leader today. And they also see that they don't need me or you or their mom or their boss to come around and knight them as a leader, Mm -hmm. that they see themselves as at it. And they commit every day to putting one foot in front of the other, acquiring up some more skills and getting better and better and better. That's the reason why I wrote this book. That's the reason why I wrote my first book called Leader by Mistake, Becoming the Leader One Mistake at a Time. I want people to truly see what's possible for their life and the people that they impact through reading this book and actually taking some action.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. I'm going to switch mm-hmm. t- direction just a little bit for this last question, because it's something I think that's re- relevant. Oh, here you go. I was, I didn't even tell you in pre-show I was going to do this. So the, um oh, the, uh, it's, it's not going to be a big curveball. The, um, but it is something I think that's fairly relevant post COVID and still as, as we're kind of waking up from our slumber to some degree, dinner parties, you say that you love dinner parties, you're a dinner party advocate. You're like, this is your, this, you have a magical dinner party uh, power <laughs> of some kind. So, so I know this is, but I know this is a little, little different, but you, you put it in your bio. So it's free game. The um, <laughs> d- dinner parties. Why do you love dinner parties?
1: You know, it is so interesting as you grow older as a human, how you recognize Mm -hmm. the things that were implanted in your life early, that you're just like, Uh oh, Uh that's why I like that. That's the way reason I am the way I am. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you could be a fully-fledged adult one day and like, oh, wait, that thing that happened when I was seven, that's why I'm this way.
0: right Well,
1: growing up, um, I recall my mother being uh, someone who was, very welcoming of having other people over. Like she was the cook in the uh-huh. family. But then as I grew older, I, my aunt raised me beyond 12 years old. Our uh-huh. house was the safe house. And when I say the right. safe house, yep. what I mean is when any of my friends got kicked out, my cousin's <laughs> friends got kicked out, you could come stay with us. It was just the
0: right. safe house. The place to come. Yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely. The safe place to come. The rule my yeah. aunt just said is, you know, your, your payment is chores. So you had to do chores.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love you. it.
1: And I recognize over time that I got this, uh, I'll say superpower implanted in mm. me of appreciating the ability to gather and how important uh-huh. it is to gather uh-huh. and to share space. And luckily I ended up marrying someone who's just like me. He loves to oh. gather. We right. can have a dinner party at the drop of the dime and he's totally all about it, you
0: know? Right.
1: And when I think about um, people coming into my space, I find it to be an honor and a privilege and an uh-huh. that when they come over, they are thought of, that it is not about me. I put myself uh-huh. in the servant leadership yep. role. You exactly. like what yeah. are your uh what are your allergies what type of cocktail mm-hmm. do you like let's have that mm-hmm. for you at the front door i mm-hmm. turn more towards what do they want and for me it's also secretly another way for me to continue refining my own leadership skills, uh-huh. and a way for me to passively pass that off to other people. I believe mm-hmm. that people learn the most.
0: I will say that I've gotten out of the routine of I, I've never really hosted at my house well very often, and I've I've been married about eight and a half years, and you know part of that most of that we've had small children and kids, and so we, we've hosted a, a few times, but so we really haven't hosted hosted a dinner party at our house. So yes, I definitely you send me an invite and I will figure out how to get to your place. Right. And I'll bring my wife and my two kids, <laughs> maybe not the two kids.
1: I do want to say that's really important because you just made mm-hmm. the statement. You said, I don't know if I host well. Right. And I would challenge that. And the reason why I would challenge that is because it is right in the vein of our overall conversation about leadership, the mm-hmm. way that I host and the way that I host the guests that come over to my house mm-hmm. has, should have nothing to do with the way that you host and the way ah. that your guests come over to your house. And it's not right. to say that there aren't some things that are just like, hey, coasters are good and this is the type right. of champagne glass that goes with champagne or any of those types of things. Right, it's right. more like, are you meeting your people that you're having over in a way that they expect and in a way that feels good to them? Right. And right. about, you know, the way that I host or I cater to people is about me and those people. And I want mm-hmm. people, as our you know, maybe one of our final takeaways mm-hmm. to think about that in terms of your leadership style. I don't go and Google Oprah or former president Barack Obama or Mm -hmm. Colin Powell and say, Mm -hmm. oh, the only way that I'm a leader is if I lead exactly
0: Exactly like them. them. Right.
1: Right. I'm going to do it in my own unique way. Right. I'm going to do it in a way that's authentic to me. Of course, I'm going to look up some best practices, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go and carbon copy anyone else because it's not going to work. And so I say that that applies in the social gathering world of hosting a
0: What is the one key essential thing that makes a dinner party because i go to i have you know especially pre stuff you know went to a lot of places where we had food and business Mm setting you know business dinners i would call them business dinners um but when you're hosting people at your house and you're having them over and and getting used to that again what makes what what makes people go wow that was a really good party what is that thing what's the magic tell us the
1: the magic is the magic is being mindful of who's coming Mm -hmm. how well they mesh together and Mm -hmm. what the flow of the event is and Mm -hmm. i i make that recommendation to people or i say those things hugely based on my previous entrepreneurial career as a wedding and event
0: producer right exactly
1: started and so luckily throughout my entire career while i've made stops along the way i have corral all the skills that I've collected up over time and I use them throughout the things that I have now and the things that I'll launch in the future. But the reason why I say guest lists first is mm-hmm. because you could have a ton of great friends and a ton of great associates and colleagues, but just mashing people together without giving any thought to, does this chemistry make sense? Right. Do these people belong together for this particular type of event? it doesn't always work out, right? And so mm-hmm. for me, it always starts with like, what's the goal? Is the goal here to really make sure that, you know, the married couples that are in our life, we feel supported and empowered. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess we're gonna have some couples over. Oh, right. is this event about Detroiters? Cause of course I'm originally from mm-hmm. Detroit and I want a safe space for Detroiters to come. Okay, Detroiters can mm-hmm. come. And so, mm-hmm. so much of it is guest list, right? And mm-hmm. recognizing that it's easier to cater to your audience. It's easier to cater to the types of people that you're having if you focus on the, a common goal or a common uh, focus of why these people are coming, I'll say that. Right. Um, and then sense. flow is important. Like, you know, when are we going to mm-hmm. do certain things? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will say those couple things out the gate are what make what can make for a fantastic event. I, mean, I could talk all day about dinner parties. I know you those two things will get you started.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. You have to come back on the show and tell us all about how do we do, how do we do good parties in general, but how do we, how do we do good gatherings? Cause you really talked about that gathering and I have that in my heart. I have that in my soul as this gathering. I just haven't refined it uh, as much as I would like. I need to give it more intention.
1: I think you just honestly, Matt, you know what I would challenge you to do between now and our next mm-hmm. conversation is mm-hmm. to just do it right? Because you're going to be like, Oh, well, let me wait till Jacqueline comes back on the show. Then I'll get
0: some <laughs> right. 10
1: people with the common focus. common.
0: Well, well Jacqueline, it's been such a, a pleasure to have you on today. I, I love the conversation. I love your heart space. I love what you're doing out in the world. And, you know, I think it's so important and so timely and so needed right now that we all step up as leaders. And I think the space that you're in helping people own and claim their leadership is super important right now because it's, I think it's probably the most important time in history because it's also the biggest opportunity for people to step up as leaders. Right. I mean, there's, I mean, anybody in this space, I think if they're focused on how can I help other people from that servant leadership role, you're needed, right? Your, your number, it's your number, whether you think it is or not, if you have that little thing in your heart or in your chest that you're like, I wonder if then yes.
1: Questions get answered in the action. Questions Mm
0: -hmm. get
1: answered in the action, but you got to take some action.
0: Exactly. Yes. Uh, I, one of my good friends always has the phrase, uh, God can't steer a parked car. You got to be driving, right? Yeah, he, can tell you, he, can, he can tell you right or left or give you the inkling of right or left, but you got to be in motion. You can't just be sitting there in the parked car. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, you know, please come back to the show when you want to visit more. We'd love to have you come back on as you're launching new projects or just updating your projects. Uh, we'd love to have you on uh, jacquelinembaker.com. Is that right? Awesome.
1: It is. Absolutely. That's the the quickest way you can connect with me directly there or even more connect more directly Mm -hmm. with my team at info at Oh,
0: Perfect. Yeah. So please reach out and shoot her your questions. I'm sure she would love to answer any questions you have around any of the stuff that we've talked about on the show or, or the book, or, you know, if she can help your organization, great. uh, Reach out to her organization about that. So thank you so much and God bless you.
1: Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E-V-I-B-E dot com. Thank you for listening.